him your undivided attention. You missed the 8.30 hour. You missed a powerful message. Uh, and that will be on the website a little bit later on. And you're encouraged to go and listen to that. Brother Smith, thank you for being with us. We'll go to about 10.40, a couple of bells will ring, and then the, the floor opens up. <laughs> Welcome to Light Dog. Would you like a podium down there? Good morning. So good to see each of you. Thank you for being here and honoring the Lord. I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to the New Testament. And we're going to be in the New Testament this morning. Oh, you're fine. You don't have to do all that. Thank you for coming. As you're turning, I want to encourage you to be here every single night, every single night. I want you to turn to a couple passages in the New Testament. John 20 is where we're going to end up. John chapter 20, John chapter 20 in the Word of God. John chapter 20, but we're going to go to a couple places just now. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 to start with, Matthew chapter 10. So good to be back at Lighthouse. Thank you for being here and honoring the Lord. I'm sorry my family's not here and I uh, feel like I'm working without one arm, but I'm sure thankful to be here. And uh, they send greetings. They're out in Kingman, Arizona right now. And uh, we just didn't feel it was the better part of prudence to drive from Kingman, Arizona one week and then back to Wichita, Kansas the next. So, uh, so uh, we're here and thankful to the Lord. I hope that you'll do everything you can to get folks here to the service uh, the Bible says we're to compel them to come in. Now, in the Greek, that means drag them kicking and screaming, okay? Just get them here and uh, compel them, urge them, persuade them, challenge them, uh, get them here and use whatever available means you have at your disposal to do just that. I, I want to ask you to do one thing this week, and that is to really pray, to just ask the Lord to help uh, help you in a mighty way and to work this week in your own heart. Let's start there. Lord, work in my heart. Draw me to yourself. Help me to see and to glean the truths that I need to become what you want me to be, to take the next step in my life that I need to take. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd meet my need. And then Lord, meet the needs of those around me. And I would encourage you to make a prayer list just for this meeting and uh, pray for some specific people around you, maybe ones that you know are struggling they're going through some difficult times and some hard times, and, uh, and yet God wants to meet their needs. So, so I want to encourage you to do your part in praying for others, and let's, uh, let's pray for our, our own hearts to be challenged and stirred, and let's pray that God will encourage those around us. Father, help me this morning in Sunday school to be a blessing. I pray that everyone here would be helped and challenged through your word, and Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd minister to every single heart in this room. I pray for those that know you as Savior, that they'd be challenged, encouraged, and strengthened. I pray for those that may not know you, Lord, that you do a work in their heart. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you accomplish because we ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Our Bibles are open in Matthew chapter 10. This is when Jesus chooses his disciples. Notice verse number one. It says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. 
Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I want to notice verse number three, this disciple, Thomas, Thomas. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject from doubtful to doubtless, from doubtful to doubtless. Now, the name Thomas is given to him here in this passage of Scripture, but other places it speaks of him as Didymus. Turn to John chapter 11, would you? John chapter 11. This is, this is one of the great passages of Scripture describing primarily how the Lord Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But whenever we find Thomas in the Bible, he always seems to be a little doubtful. Uh, in fact, we call him Doubting Thomas. But I'm glad that he's in the Bible because it helps me. And, uh, you know, I'm not particularly analytical in my personality, but uh, you can get to places where you become analytical and you begin to analyze everything to every little detail and every little degree. Uh, if you're not careful, you can analyze, uh, analyze too much. You get to become, uh, you get to the place where you have the paralysis of analysis, uh, like the deer in headlights. You're trying to look too hardly at a circumstance or a situation or a truth, and uh, you're, you're just not going to be able to figure out all the details about it with your own heart and mind, and sometimes things don't reconcile. Sometimes things don't make sense. We'd be foolish if we said otherwise. Now, if you're a young, you're very much black and white. I see things right and wrong and black and white and easy to figure out one way or the other. But as you get older and sometimes life experiences happen, uh, it doesn't mean that there is not black and white, but sometimes there are confusing times in life. Sometimes there are confusing circumstances in life. Uh, sin complicates things. It just does. Uh, it would be easy if we just all did what was right because it would be very simple. But when we don't do what's right, it becomes very complicated. And it makes things complicated and it makes things troublesome. And doubt, doubt begins to seep in. And if we're not careful, we can become doubtful like Thomas was. John chapter 11, your Bibles are open. Uh, this is a passage that has a lot of questions in it. Uh, it says uh, there was a certain man who was sick. His name was Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary. And her sister Martha is where they lived. And uh, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Uh, and there's, therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now there's a lot of things that happen in this passage that are, that are curious that you look at and say, what? What's going on? For instance, uh, they send a message to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus very deeply. And, uh, and he doesn't go. That's curious. Why didn't Jesus just go? Or why didn't just Jesus do this? Why didn't Jesus send the messenger back and say, uh, your faith has saved you? Well, why, why didn't he do that? Uh, verse number four, it says, uh, verse, verse four, when Jesus heard, excuse me, verse three, therefore his sister sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, 
he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of, of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. But yet in this same passage, Lazarus dies. So what does the Lord mean when he says, this sickness is not unto death? Uh, verse number 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Again, the curious question comes, why doesn't Jesus just go right then? Verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Isn't that, that that's the question that you would have, just knowing the circumstance and the context. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth, stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of the, this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that he, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus. Didymus means twin. Thomas means twin, in case you didn't know. Uh, what, what that means, we're not real sure. We don't know if Thomas was an identical twin, if Thomas uh, was just a fraternal twin. Uh, maybe his twin was uh, a twin sister. Uh, we don't know exactly what that means, but he's a twin. And in verse number uh, 16, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Do you get... Do you get the idea that maybe Thomas is confused about what's going on in this passage? Uh, Lazarus is, is, is sick. And instead of Jesus going and, and tending to him right there and right then, he just abides for a couple more days. And then Jesus said, Lazarus is sleeping. And the disciples say, well, if he's sleeping, he'll be all right. He'll wake up. He'll do well. He probably needs some rest. And Jesus said, no, he's dead. And I'm glad that... For your sakes, I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And Thomas says, well, yeah, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> I kind of get the idea that Thomas may be a little confused at this point. Verse number 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had been had laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that, believe, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? 
She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out and followed her saying she goeth out unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying unto him Lord if thou hadst been here my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Then he goes to the grave. There's, there's just a lot of interesting things that are going on in this passage that don't particularly make sense to just a casual observer, and they don't initially make sense to someone who's not a casual observer. And, and so what I want to say to you is that there are points in your life when there's going to be doubt that sweeps in, and you might be there right now. Now, I'm thankful that Thomas is here, and I'm thankful for Thomas being in the Bible because Thomas seems to be struggling with doubt. He seems to be the analytical one. He's the one that crunches numbers. He's kind of like the guy that sat next to me on the plane from New York yesterday who works with software. I don't know why anybody would want to do that. But anyway, maybe you're that person and you like to work with numbers and work with software and, and program and crunch numbers. I, I, I rode on a plane with a man one time who was a statistician. I mean, I wonder, does a kid just like when they're young say, someday I'd like to be a statistician? I mean, is that like a goal? You know, you think maybe I want to be a football player, or I want to be a fireman, or I want to be a soldier, but a statistician, how do you get to that point? Do you desire that early? I can't even get my mind around that because, boy, I start to crunch numbers and my eyes cross. You know what I'm saying? And uh, as much as possible, I let other people do that. But but maybe that's you, and I don't want to in any way disparage some person that may be especially analytical, but this morning, but I want to say this, analytical or, an, or non-analytical. There are circumstances that come in your life that will wash you away in doubt if you're not careful. And Thomas here in this passage of Scripture is struggling with doubt. <clears throat> He's struggling with some doubt. I want you to see it. John chapter 14. Turn your Bible there to John chapter 14. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Boy, these words need to be memorized. If you don't have this passage memorized, I want you right along with Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 26 or whatever it is you're supposed to do. Memorize John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Boy, we need to hear those words today, don't we? These are some some crazy times. Pastor and I were talking about them on the way from the airport last night. These are some crazy times. But let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, he says, are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and it's going to be good. Verse number 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way ye know. Look at what Thomas said in verse 5. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Do you get the idea that maybe the disciples didn't always know Christ's every move or his next move? What's Christ's next move? If I could just know Christ's next move, I'd be happy. 
Or if I could know what he's doing right now, that would help. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Uh, Thomas was the kind of guy, Thomas was probably a lot like my wife. My wife is very analytical. And boy, does she help me and balance me out. Because everything that she is, I'm not. And everything that I am, she's not. We, that's just the way God made it. And it's a good thing. But she's not so sure when we're driving if I know where I'm going. Now, I don't understand that. I've been married to her now for 24 years, and I've taken her all across the country and around the world, and she's still got to whip out her GPS to make sure we can get across town to Culver's or whatever. It's funny to me. And, and uh, many times there's a little bit of a rift in our cab of our... Honey, put that away. I don't need the GPS. I'm fine just the way I am. Or she'll ask, do, do you even know where you're going? Or in a sweet, kind way, she'll say, are, are we lost? No, honey. No, we're not lost. I know exactly where I'm at. Uh, and, and there's this little back and forth that goes on. I, I think that's the way that Thomas felt with the Lord. What is he up to? What is he doing? He's telling us that we're going. And then he tells us, we know the way. <laughs> Thomas says, we don't know the way. He says, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And then Jesus came back with the famous words, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I just get the idea that Thomas was just wondering. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes you wonder. Now, if there's anybody here that wants to pretend that they don't wonder, you just buckle your seatbelt because you will. There's some things that I still wonder about. Are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt. I wonder why a church where the preacher preaches the truth isn't packed out and overflowing every single Sunday, and he's been preaching the truth faithfully for 25 years. I wonder that. I wonder why people aren't banging the door down to get in. And I wonder why a false teacher, uh, like, for instance, some guy like Andy Stanley, uh, who would get up and make a statement last Sunday that, the, that our faith doesn't rest upon 66 ancient documents but it rests upon Jesus Christ. I wonder why a false teacher like that has six campuses or seven all over the Atlanta area and have a lot of people. I wonder about that. I wonder why a girl who keeps herself for marriage and keeps herself for her husband and her husband keeps her, himself for her and they come to the wedding altar pure, when they get married, they can't have children. And a young lady who's promiscuous and wicked lives, has eight different kids with eight different men. I wonder about that. Uh, let me get personal. I wonder why the Lord took my sister when she was 44. She had 11 children, nine were still at home. I wonder about that. I wonder why, why God took my cousin just about, just a few years ago, uh, she was 48, her husband was 53, and two of their children died in a single car wreck, and my cousin and her husband, four, four casket funeral, four hearse funeral procession. I wonder why that happened. I don't think it's wrong to wonder. And I'm simply saying, there are times in our lives when doubt comes, and the currents of doubt are strong, and they're difficult to navigate through. And sometimes they cause your boat to capsize. 
And sometimes they cause your life to be awash with, with concern and worry and anxiety and fear. And it's real and it's tangible. And, and you don't know exactly what is going on and why is this all happening? Lord, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. What is going on in my life? So I want to just speak to you just practically this morning in Sunday school on when doubts come. Now let's think about this. Uh, We're going to go to John chapter 20. You can turn there now. And we're going to end there. But I want you just to think with me for a few moments about what to do when doubts come. When doubts come, listen carefully, answer every doubt with the certainty of Scripture. Answer every doubt with the certainty of Scripture. You're not going to answer your doubts sufficiently with more doubts. You're not going to answer your questions with more questions. Now, you will have questions. And I want to say something to you. God is not threatened by your questions. (laughs) He is God of gods and King of kings. And he's not sitting up in heaven saying, oh, no, here she comes again. (laughs) Oh, no, she asked me a question last time that I just don't think I can handle. God's not threatened by your questions. Uh, I think it's very important how we ask questions. But I also think it's very important that we ask questions. You don't learn if you don't ask questions. It's not sinful to ask questions. Now, there is a difference between asking questions about God and about His Word and questioning His Word. Do you understand the difference? Uh, questioning His Word is sowing doubt, is succumbing to doubt. But asking questions about Him and about His Word is the way you learn. Young people, look at me. You can ask questions about God and it's okay. You're in a stage where your brain has gone dead. I don't mean that in an insulting way. Your brain is restarting. Maybe I should say it. That sounds better. You're restarting. Your computer is restarting and it's re- reformatting and it's reestablishing itself and it's starting to go into the adult world. It's okay for you to ask questions about God. But go to the Bible for your answers. Don't go to man's philosophy for your answers. Don't go to your opinions for your answers. They'll fail you every time. Don't go to men's ideas. They'll fail you every time. Go to the Bible for answers. So we, we go to the Bible and when we, when we doubt and when there is doubt and there are times of doubt, you answer every doubt with the certainty of Scripture. Number two, choose to view your doubts through the lens of God's love and God's truth. Not the other way around. Choose to view your doubts through the lens of God's love and God's truth, not the other way around. You said, preacher, what do you mean? All right, let, let me say this. Let me say that this, this phone right here represents uh, um, my doubts. There's a lot of questions that come with this phone <laughs> and a lot of questions I still have. This represents God's truth because it is 100% all 66 ancient documents. Now, let's just say I'm looking at my doubts first and God's love and God's truth here. You see what's happening? Well, I can see God's love and God's truth, but it's obscured. And this is the way a lot of times we look at God's love and God's truth. We say, 
Oh, yeah, God loves me. But boy, I got some questions now. And, and, and this is one big question. And let me see. Oh, yeah, here's another big question. Oh, yeah, but God loves me out there. But boy, I've got another question. Are you ready for this one? What we need to do is switch it up. And I need to look at my doubts through the lens of God's love and God's truth. Oh, God loves me. He's so good. And I love him too. Now, I have a few questions out here. But boy, I know God loves me. And I know God is true. And God never fails. Yeah, there are a few doubts. But but I know that if I keep studying God's love and God's truth, he's, he's going to solve those things. And, and, it, and he may not solve them in this life. And that's okay. Because I know God loves me. How many of you have met somebody like that? You go to them and you think, boy, I've got to encourage them. How am I going to encourage them? They have terrible physical problems. They have terrible circumstances that have just come out in their life. And you go to encourage them and you walk away and you're encouraged. How many of you have ever experienced that? You know what that is? That's because you've just come in contact with somebody who is studying their doubts through the lens of God's love and God's truth. It's very important. It's very important that we do this. Watch, answer every doubt with the certainty of Scripture. Number two, choose to view your doubts through the lens of God's love and God's truth, not the other way around. Number three, don't forget what you know. Don't forget what you know. Hey, you could, if you want to, spend your entire day and week and month and year studying all the corruption that's going on right now. You would have an endless supply. Pastor and I were talking about that. We talked about a lot of things on the way from the airport, didn't we, last night? We, I'll tell you, Pastor and I get together for a little bit, and we can solve some problems. And if only people would listen to us, boy, if that, that's what. You know, I'm 48 right now. In a couple of years, I'll be 50. And when I turn 50, I'm going to grow a beard and a goatee, and then I'm going to start talking in a New Zealand accent just so people will listen to me. But anyway, uh, uh, um, uh, th- this whole thing of, we, we talked about that, all the corruption that's going on. Now, listen to me closely. If you want, you can focus on the corruption of man, and there's plenty to look at. Or you can focus on the incorruptible Christ. I think I'd choose the latter. You've got some doubts this morning. You've got some struggles. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know what your circumstances are. But I can tell you, it will be solved when you focus on Jesus Christ, not the corruption of man. In other words, don't forget what you know. Well, you said, preacher, what do you mean? I'm going through some doubtful time right now. I can, I can relate to that. Don't forget what you know. God loves you. You know that. You know the Bible declares it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know God loves you. Don't doubt that. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. Don't doubt in the valley what God gave you on the summit. God, God has assured you again and again that he loves you. He's assured you through his word. He's assured you through circumstance. He's assured you through your own experience. God loves you. Don't doubt that. Uh, you know that God loves you, number two. You know that God is in control. Now, I know it seems like he's out of control. In some days, some circumstances seems like, is anybody in control? <laughs> is, is anybody in charge here? Or do we have any adults in charge? But the fact is that God is in control. And none of what is crazy and that's going on around us right now, swirling on around us, it takes God by surprise. God has a plan. And he's working his plan from start to finish. Number three, uh, n- number three, you know God is good. 
Now, if you'll keep those three things at the front of your forefront of your mind, that God loves you, that he's in control, and that he's good, it'll help you. It'll help you through your doubt. Now, I want you to notice, when when you doubt, uh, don't despair. The world doesn't move forward because you've got, got it all figured out. Don't despair. Don't get discouraged in such a way that you throw up your hands and say, what's the use? I know what that feels like. I've been there. I've been there in recent days. It doesn't feel good. Don't despair. Now let's look at our text, John 20, and we're through. I want to draw all the rest of my points straight from these passages of Scripture. John chapter 20, now now Jesus is has died and he's risen from the dead. And in John chapter 20, Jesus comes and visits them. Notice what the scripture says in John chapter 20 and verse number 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Even in the midst of your doubts, these people were struggling. They were They were struggling. Even in the midst of their doubts, Jesus came with a message of peace. And, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw their Lord. Is this really Jesus? Is this a spirit? They wondered about that when they were on the Sea of Galilee and it was troubled. Is Jesus still coming to me? Is Jesus still real? Is Jesus, is, is the last three and a half years, has that been a waste? You can imagine the swirling doubts that were, that were sweeping them from place to place. Verse number 21, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Some even suggested that he might have gone to see his twin when he was struggling. Uh, there's a strong bond between twins that only twins would understand fully. That, that's possible. We don't know where Thomas was, but he wasn't there. He wasn't with them. The other disciples therefore said unto him, verse 25, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Mm. All right, now think of this. I want you to think of this. When doubts come, be careful what you say. When you're doubting, wouldn't be the time to make your great declarations. That wouldn't be a time to put one down for the record books. That wouldn't be a time to write in stone what you believe. Why? Because you're doubting. He says, I will not believe. They've said that they believe. They said that they saw him. He didn't go on that. He was not okay with that. He said, I will not believe unless I put my fingers in his hands and my hand in his side. Uh, Notice what the Bible says, John chapter 20 and verse number 26. After eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Hmm. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, 
And behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Listen to me. When you doubt, remember, remember that Jesus Christ is the God of a second chance. Can you imagine how Thomas' declaration, if I don't see his hands and thrust my fingers in his hands and my hand in his side, I won't believe. If I don't see that, I won't believe. Can you imagine how much of a wet blanket that must have been on the disciples' enthusiasm? We've seen him. We've seen him. Thomas, he was there. He came in the midst of us. He said, peace be unto you. It was really him. I will not believe. Wow. But yet God came to him the second time. Jesus Christ is the God of the second chance. Remember that. Maybe you're doubting right now. Jesus is coming to you right now. And you know a good look at his hands and his side would help your doubts. Look at what it says, John chapter 20. And notice what the Bible says in verse number 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Are you ready? When you doubt, don't doubt forever. Don't doubt forever. Move quickly from doubt to faith certainty. Now, what what happened to Thomas? Because of his doubts, he disappeared. He was gone. We don't know where he was. Look at here, look here. The pastor gets concerned when you don't show up. Now, I noticed that you've moved some things around here. You've moved the clock. There used to be a clock right there, didn't there? Move the clock. So now I don't know what time it is. <laughs> I can't keep track of anything. You, you do that, and that's why it's important when you come to this church that you sit in the same place. Otherwise, pa- pastor thinks you're playing hooky. <laughs> okay? Uh, but, but you know what causes us to skip out sometimes? Doubt. Don't disappear. Don't disappear. Hey, when you doubt, be careful what you say. Uh, when you doubt, move quickly from doubt to faith certainty. Don't doubt forever. And here Jesus is giving Thomas a second chance. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He quickly moved from doubt to faith certainty. And then notice what the Bible says. It says in John chapter 20 and verse number 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Remember, when you doubt, know that when you fall at Jesus' feet, and worship you, worship him, he will use you again. When you doubt, remember when you fall at Jesus' feet and worship him, he will use you again. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Do you know what they tell us? Thomas took the gospel to India. You go home and, and, and Google that on your app. See how far of a journey that would be by foot. And they say that he died as a martyr. And do you know what many Indian Christians name their sons when they get a Christian name? They name him Thomas. I'd say that Thomas moved from doubtful to doubtless. And you can too. Lord, help us. Help us help those who are here that are struggling with doubt in one way or another. Maybe they've lost someone dear to them. Maybe they've seen family members walk away from the Lord. 
Lord, maybe they are struggling just because of a satanic attack who wants to cause everyone to doubt. Oh, Lord, help us, I pray, when the swift currents of doubt come to anchor ourselves to you, to your nail-pierced hands, to fall in our hearts, fall completely into the arms of omnipotence. In Jesus' name, amen.